The Greenwood and Mulliner Show is proudly sponsored by Casa San Lorenzo Gosforth, the best Italian cuisine in the Northeast. Reserve a table today on 0191213 or visit casasanlorenzo.co.uk. Newcastle Fans TV. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Greenwood and Mulliner Show here on Newcastle Fans TV. Happy birthday! to the Greenwood and Mona show here on Newcastle Fans TV. It has been a little while where it's just me and Sam reminiscing about all things Greenwood and Mona shows. We're going to go through our favourite clips, what we really, really enjoy, and if you've got any questions, because this is going to be live on YouTube, so apologies to our podcast listeners, but if you've got any questions that you want to ask me and Sam, by all means, just go straight for it. But it's a very, very good morning to Sam Mulner, but it could be a good afternoon or a good evening if you're listening on the podcast. But how are you, Mr. Mulner? I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, it's been a while since we've done one of these, probably because we, I mean, we, we normally do these at like the end of the season, but I don't think we were expecting such a, we got on a bit of a roll with guests during the off season, which we we weren't expecting at all. Um, but it was a nice surprise. But now like things have, have calmed down a little bit in, in general and we can now pause for reflection before we crack on with the next 12 months jesus can you believe it can you actually believe it we haven't just run out of guests and that's why we're we're doing this we have no two or three booked in now haven't we yeah we have i'll let you into a little secret to all you podcast listeners out there because what normally happens is i'll get a text off sam or i'll get a message off him going we really need a guest sometime next week and it'll be a case of you just can't get anybody and you get a little bit irritated a little bit frustrated who does mr Mulney, you get very irritated and a bit frustrated when we can't get a guest and then bang rude london buses a couple two or three come along at once so one's definitely been confirmed one is nearly confirmed and another one's nearly confirmed so we're on the verge of getting three pretty much in for the next few weeks as well so the ball will keep on rolling samuel the ball will keep on rolling it's just like Bruno Gimmerage at St James's Park. The ball will just keep on rolling. But will we see him this weekend? I'm not happy with that. You've inferred that I'm difficult to work with. No comment. Uh, Connor says, morning, lads. Wow. Wow. Saturday. <laughs> Score prediction for Saturday. We'll probably talk about Newcastle versus Bournemouth a little bit later on. But uh, if you want a quick prediction off me, I think Newcastle will win 2 0. Maybe no oh. Maxi, though. You just told me, Samuel. That's boring because I think it'll be two nil as well. Um, no, no, Maxi. But um, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, um, you know it didn't matter because Isak and, and Fraser were were fine, weren't they? So uh, yeah, it was all good. So hopefully Maxi will be fit for for next slash this weekend. Yes, we'll uh, we'll maybe talk a little bit more about it towards the end. But for our podcast listeners as well, it's, it has been an unbelievable last twelve months or so. I think if you just look at 2022 in general, Sam, in terms of the guests and the names of the guests that we've had, obviously we're going to have a few clips along today's episode, but you look at some of the names, I just think, wow, how on earth have we, how on earth have we managed to speak to some of these people, like a couple of first-team Newcastle men's team players. We've got the women's manager on, we've got the women's newest captain on as well. It, it's It's been absolutely incredible, and I'm not even... you know really touching the service so far 
No, like we've we've I've struggled to whittle down the, the our favourite clips that we, we we've had, and this is why um, you should all um, you know subscribe to the podcast. Links in the description, and um, you know you get behind the scenes little nuggets from me and Johnny of what happened on the day. Some of which we'll share with you this morning. But yeah, it, it, it's been good. It's been um, surprising some of the people who we've got on who don't do many interviews and the places we've been and uh yeah the access we've had it's it's been very good um stressful at times but it's a good kind of stress isn't it yeah what we try and do is we try and get a podcast every tuesday out so that it's continuous me and sam try to only have one podcast week off a year which is between christmas and new year because obviously trying to get a guest in me and Sam want to spend time with our families around Christmas and New Year. So we always say, right, well, that's the week we'll mm. not do anything and we'll get and we'll mm. get back to it. Well, Sam might like not want to spend time with his family, but I do. However, it, it's been it has been quite difficult at times to try and keep that continuous theme going, but we we have done it. We are keep on doing it, and it, it it's 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 just brilliant, isn't it? Like who would have thought this little show would get you know 110 episodes 111 episodes maybe is it 110 now this is yeah this is 111 so uh, yeah yeah I, should just confirm, yeah I should just confirm i do like spending time with my family at christmas um <laughs> uh yeah it it is yeah we've, we've had the one i don't even think we did have a week off for, uh, last christmas and new year come to think of it i'm not sure if we did i know we did the year before but i don't think we did this year so that's yeah it's actually, you know, a bit later. This show is later than planned. This should have happened like <clears throat> a couple of months ago. But as I say, we were busy. We were, we were busy in in the close season. With the, I mean, the interviews just kept on rolling in, and we were we got in a good place of um, getting them all scheduled. But um, yeah, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine clips. Um, from our our favourite moments, and there's some honourable mentions which we'll mention later, which we haven't um, clipped up. But there's there's just so many, so many that we've been through over the past year that have been so much fun. Yeah, I think a lot more people have been positive about doing these sort of podcasts, these sort of shows with not just ourselves but with other channels because of the takeover, because of the positivity that goes around talking about Newcastle United right now. Now we did get some good guests beforehand and some fantastic stories, but you always had that feeling when we were coming towards the end, it was kind of like, oh, do we have to talk about Newcastle right now? But it's just been absolutely fantastic, Sam, because when you talk about Newcastle United right now, it's like, ooh, brilliant. Yeah, um, we were doing it in the bad times as well, and we've, we've even looked back on the bad times, haven't we? Um, but I suppose with the where we are now, we can look back at the bad times just to just to see the things that we didn't really get to to hear about, and and none some more of that was was with Paul Simpson, where he was Steve McLaren's assistant. Um, obviously, things are all great now, but when you're dealing with signing Henry Sive and whatnot, shall I, shall I, shall I, and and having to to cope with a young raw Alexander Mitrovic, I imagine that um, that would have been quite tricky. Shall I play the clip? I think you should. Let's, let's, let's hear Paul Simpson talk about Fulham's Alexander Mitrovic. Mitro, Mitro, as a, as a bloke, was a top, top fella. I mean, I think Mitro's the reason my knee is completely knackered now because I spent so <laughs> many hours on the training pitch after everybody had finished 
crossing balls in with my left foot, driving balls up to him for it to get hold of and crossing balls for him to come and attack and head. And he was obsessed about training. He was, oh, I'd say, come on, Mitro, right, last three. You're only getting three. I want I want two goals out of three. OK, OK. And then he go, no, no, two more, Simo, two more. We need, we're not going in yet. I said, no, we can't. And then I'd, we'd get to the end and say, OK, finish. And then he'd say, right, go on the halfway line and drive some balls at me, make sure I can hold them. I'm like... Okay, right. So then I'd have about another 20 balls I'm driving into him. And, and he, a fantastic bloke. But coming into the Premier League, it's such a massive step up from from where where you've come from. Really, really tough. Um, and, and it's a big challenge. And unfortunately, he, he, he just didn't hit the ground running. I think now, after a few years here, he's showing. I mean, he's somewhere in between that. Championship and Premier because he's he's too good for the Championship. I mean, his goal scoring record this season is absolutely incredible. Um, I'm really hoping he can do it in the Championship. So what what I'm saying in the Premier, sorry, so what I'm saying is there weren't bad people. There just weren't the right signings for what we needed at Newcastle. The, the one thing that Paul was very very good about, he was very honest about how bad it was when hit when himself and Steve McLaren were were at the club, but. The one thing that made me laugh, if you can remember, Sam, is when you mentioned the, the famous name of Seydou Dumbia, and he didn't even have a clue who we were on about, really. No, I know. just goes to show you just how much of a nightmare it was. I mean, we can kind of laugh about it now, but at the time, it was it was horrible, wasn't it? Horrible. Like, what a, what a mess that it was. And, like, the, the famous photos of, of wheelie bins, paddling pools, and... Ugh, it just represented everything that was wrong with Newcastle at that time and Mike Ashley, which, okay, in a, like I, I can sort of laugh about it now because I know we're on the right track and going back in the right direction, but it still might not be laughable for some fans until like we're, we're properly where we should be again. But, um, yeah, Paul was remarkably honest, and um, I hope well, he's Carlisle boss, isn't he, now? So um, to get a current... Um, manager to come onto the pod is um fantastic and i hope carlisle do really well um yeah he's, he's a good bloke managed my uh town of birth uh, a few years back shrewsbury town he's a good manager especially at that level carlisle i'm sure will have a cracking season but um yeah he was really really honest really it was really eye-opening that one obviously all of these shows are available on the podcast feed and and um on the Greenwood and Mullen show playlist on NFTV's YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, remarkably honest. Yeah, very much so. Very, very much so. And the the one thing I took away from it was that maybe you don't know how much of a mess the club were in at the time. And when you look back, that was a pretty bad period because the club were very much not going anywhere. They weren't going anywhere because John Carver came in after Alan Pardew and just... I think the the club thought, well, he'll steady the ship towards the end of the season. It didn't quite work out like that. And then they thought they were getting a proper manager to do that. And that didn't work out either. So it, it, that 12 months, well, 12, 14 months before Rafa Benitez came in, the club was a mess. It really, really was. But yeah, Mitrovic at Newcastle, like, what, what some moments? I know it, it didn't necessarily work out the way that Mitrovic probably wanted it to work out, but you know, we saw some big goals. I always remember that goal against Sunderland. That was a big moment because if Sunderland had won for the seventh game in a row against Newcastle, I don't know how yeah. I would have... I, I, I can't deal with that, man. That was just stupid. Yeah, it was. And um, 
I remember we, we spoke about this to Paul, but like when he got sent off against Arsenal, I was watching that in a pub or bar in Sorrento on my honeymoon with uh, my lovely wife. And uh, yeah, when he got sent off, and he could have gone before he did as well. There was just absolutely crazy, crazy challenges going on. Um, first, first question coming in. Um, are you Welsh, Sam? No. And uh, let, let's get that straight. No, I am not. Shrewsbury is in England. Um, and I never lived in Shrewsbury. I was just born in the hospital there. But uh, thanks. It, it's it's in England, not Wales. Very much. So just to clarify, very much not Welsh. I I, I would tend to disagree with that. But we'll, 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 well I'm on. clearly not well, am I? I don't sound Welsh. Sorry, Boyo. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, but it has it has changed for the better. It really, really has. It has changed for the better now. And a man that gets a lot of praise for what he did at the football club. He is still a, a player at Newcastle, but let's be honest, I don't think he's going to play another play another game for Newcastle because he's on loan to Norwich City as Isaac Hayden. And this was episode one hundred, Sam. And I think you should tell our listeners and our viewers as well on YouTube, how this even came about, because it was absolutely a fantastic story, wasn't it, in terms of on the day? But yeah, we didn't think we'd get this over the line, did we? No, um, because you were swanning off on your holidays. But uh, yeah, we got Isaac Hayden booked in for episode number 100. He just left Newcastle to go to Norwich. I mean, he's still technically a Newcastle player, but I think the deal is if Norwich get promoted, that loan move automatically gets made permanent. They're second in the league at the moment, and you'd expect Norwich to go up. They're, 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 they're good in the championship. Um, just rubbish in the Premier League. But, um, yeah, so the, the day of um, Isaac's interview, I think we were supposed to interview him at 10 a.m., something like that. Um, I get a... Uh, a message off Isaac at 6am on that day saying, um, sorry, Sam, I forgot that I'm supposed to be playing a a charity golf day for my dad today. Can we rearrange? And like you, Johnny, were, you were going to Madrid the next day. Yeah. Yeah. So we couldn't rearrange. So um, I says, well, what time you've got to leave the house? He says, oh, I'm leaving at about half seven, eight o'clock. Well, I said, well, how about we do it at quarter to seven in the morning? He says, yep, works for me. So I, I rang Johnny in a tiz, who wasn't up yet, uh, going, right, wake up. We've got to... I was already awake because I've got two kids. So I'd, I'd been up a while. Um, so I rang Johnny a couple of times. I don't think you answered first time. Or did you? I can't remember. I think I did answer first time. All I remember is Sam ringing me. But what you got to remember when we did the interview, it was like daylight. Like it was proper daylight. It was like it'd been yeah, daylight peak it'd of be for two hours. It was like two hours of proper sunlight. So it wasn't really like, it probably felt about half 10. But when I looked at my phone, I was like, 6.30? What's he ringing? Is it 6.34? Like it must be like, it must be something desperate if Sam was ringing me at 6.30 in the morning. But I was just like, right. Um, get a shower and get in. Fortunately, I'd already done all my notes, so that was quite a good thing. Um, but oh, I was just thinking, right, well, let's just get this sorted. Let's just get your game head on. But I felt like I'd done a day's work out by a quarter to eight. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was kind would. of like that, wasn't it, Sam? 
Uh, it was, yeah. But yeah, it was quite surreal whilst I could hear like the kids and the wife getting ready for the school run and we're doing a podcast interview and then straight from there I've got to do the school run and then come back and then go to work. So yeah, it was it was a mad day. It was a crazy day, but it was it was a brilliant interview with Isaac, one of the most level-headed, honest pros that you'll you will ever meet and I know like a load of the players that have left Newcastle this summer would be like classified as the deadwood, but I I wouldn't class Isaac Hayden as as deadwood because um he's still a very good player for for me and um He's quality, and he'll be back in the Premier League next season. Hundred percent. Well, here we've got a quip in regards to before he came, what he heard about Newcastle before he came, and a long, long meeting with Rafa Benitez. Uh, I think it was it was quite a difficult one because there was a lot of turnover. Like you said, it was a bit of a um, tricky time for the club at the time because um, it was one of those where the club needed to make changes. Um, it needed to to almost re restart and refresh. Obviously, before I signed, I heard all the things about, you know, what had gone on the season before, some of the performances, um, you know, what the fans were saying. Um, obviously, what happened, at, I think it was Southampton and Everton, I think it was, where there was certain things that had gone on. I can't remember exactly what they were. So I, I knew that there was probably, um, you know, underlying issues there um, with, with certain players in the group. Um, but kind of when I when I joined and I sat down with Lee and um, and Rafa before I signed, they kind of just said that it's you know it, it's Rafa's team, um, it's what he wants to do, and we're trusting him to obviously get the club back to the Premier League and build, and it's kind of what he wants to do. So when they said that, and you know I, I kind of had full trust in what he wants to do, and he obviously wanted to bring me into the club for a reason, so. When that happens and you sat there and, and he's saying that to you, you always have to listen, you know. Um, and there was a big turnover, as I said. The, but the thing is, is it's a strange one because the players were really, really good. I mean, when I first joined, I mean, there was Genie was still there, Musa was still there, and they're, they're great lads. Like honestly, they were. I'm telling you, they were such good lads, especially with me that just joined. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh wow, like you know, when Alder was in the papers going for 25 million, obviously Sissoko's being touted, you know, France international. And they were so good, you know, I was only 21 and they were like, you know, they were so, such good lads with me um, when I first joined, helped me settle in really well. And then obviously they left and then um, the club has said, we started again, if you want to call it that. And he's, he's like you said, me, uh, Matty, Dwight, uh, Clarkey, um, obviously Grant Hanley as well signed. Um, so they made a lot of signings and, I think the difference is, is that when you sign a lot of English lads or British lads, I think it makes a difference because, you know, you understand the league, you understand the English game. There's no, you know, real differences in language barrier or understanding of what's needed. Uh, so I think that helped us all settle in um, a lot quicker. Um, and I said is that they're just all really, really good lads. Um, you know, not even... Obviously, they're all good players, but I mean, just as people, um, all really, really good people. Um, and first and foremost, that was a massive thing, I think, for me, especially because I was younger, you know, I was a lot younger than them. And um, for me, coming 300 miles away from home, um, they all were, yeah, yeah, really, really top, top set of lads. Top, top set of lads. And that, I will go along with that because when you look at the season we got back, to the Premier League, we've got promoted. 
there's still probably a lot of players that were still at the club last season, like Isaac mentions, and there's still a few players that are still there now, like sort of Carl Dahl and Matt Ritchie, uh, John Shelby, Jamal, you know, this, this, Jamal Lascelles, Paul Dummett. You know, there's still a bit of a nucleus, really. Not necessarily all of them playing, of course, but there's still a nucleus, and there was still the likes of Kieran Clark, we've mentioned that he's only just left on loan, but he's only got a year left. So he's essentially Same with Isaac Hayden. I know he's still got, I think he had a couple more years on it left on his contract, but again, if Norwich get promoted, there's a, there's a good chance that could happen. So it, it, is, it is interesting to see what's going to happen with Newcastle. We'll talk more about Newcastle United at the end of the video in terms of where we are right now and you know where the club's gone. And I want to talk about the, the 25-man squad with you, Sam, because we, we had a good little discussion, which I think people would probably like to listen to about that 25-man squad. But yeah, Isaac Kane, that game against Manchester City, him and Sean Longstaff were absolutely phenomenal. I would probably argue that he's best ever performance in a Newcastle shirt against that Manchester City so that team because that Manchester City team I know that Manchester City team gets better and better each year but you talk about a team that had 100 points the year before they won the league that season with 98 points so an average of 99 points and Isaac Hayden and Sean Longstaff were absolutely phenomenal in that game at St James's had to be it was a turning point in our season as well because we were in we were in the bottom three um, and we needed some inspiration from somewhere. Didn't Miggy, the announcement that Miggy had, had just signed has just come through. Was it the day before or the day after or the day that was, it was around I then, wasn't it? was on it? the day. It was yeah. on the day that Miggy Almiron had signed or it might have been that, it might have been agreed, the fee had been agreed, something along those lines. But it was, it was a, it was a really, it was a really, really positive, a rare positive 24 hours probably for Rafa Benitez if we're being honest in terms of stuff that happened behind the scenes. And, yeah, you kind of got the feeling that Newcastle were going, well, do you know what? We're going to listen to Rafa a little bit more and that might keep him at the football club because there was a lot of, you know, um and R. Spoiler and alert, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, but it was it, for that brief moment, that brief moment, it, it was a really, really good few days or so. Going back to previous times, a man that played hundreds of games for Newcastle United, I mean, hundreds of games in Newcastle United and, he, he, he just loved wearing that black and white shirt with Stephen Taylor, Sam. And mm. again, obviously, there was a couple of moments that stand out. I think he just, you know, the biggest thing I took from it, he hates Sunderland. He absolutely hates Sunderland. And it's just brilliant. <laughs> like, I remember just like, the, the amount of, I don't know, the passion, he, the passion you saw on the pitch was probably the same passion when he was talking about beating Sunderland. Like that 3-2 game, um, at the same at St James's Park, where Emery scored that winning free kick, oh, what a moment that was! And uh, yeah, it, those are the moments that make you fall in love with Newcastle. And Stephen Taylor just he just got it, didn't he, Sam? Yeah, and and to think he'd been there from like in and around the first team from Bobby Robson all the way up to Rafa Benitez. <sighs> incredible, incredible. But yeah, he was um, he was in uh, Dubai, wasn't he, when we uh, when we spoke to him. So yeah, he he just finished a big long gym session because he's he's um, he's trimmed down quite a bit, hasn't he? Since uh, he's kept himself in shape and he's he's trimmed down a little yeah. bit. But didn't you meet him a few months later after we interviewed him? Yeah, I did. Um, uh, he was he, he comes into he came to our work. He actually came in a couple of times in a row, and I was just like, I was like, oh, it's him. But he had, he, he does come into our, our work when he was playing for Newcastle, but he, he was like, even when it was like that bad, people were still coming up to him asking for pictures and he'd have no problems doing that. And I thought, yeah, a bit of class, a bit of class, because 
you can easy you can easily have pictures with you, with the supporters when it's going well, but when they're asking when it's not going as well, they still to still you know just do those little things. Might be might become irritating, might become annoying, but to still do it without any real bother, it was it was brilliant. But um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant person. One of my, one of my favourite centre halves at Newcastle as well. Talks about the relationship with Jonathan Woodgate, but with the takeover happening, Sam, we've got this clip where he wants Newcastle to copy the Manchester City side of things and not the QPR side of things. Can we get that clip and let's listen to Steven Taylor? Yeah, I think everyone has. It's just like it's, it's just a matter of time before it's going to happen, but thankfully it's eventually happened. Uh, I wish it happened in my uh, in my playing time at Newcastle early on, but it didn't happen. But hopefully now, uh, January, three or four players bring in uh, premature experience. I just hope it's it's going to be uh, yeah, good times ahead, but at the moment, um, it's just about Hugo, a lot of the training ground, the academy, all that kind of stuff that you know has been overlooked over many years. Um, there's a lot of news done. I don't think it's going to be a quick fix either. So it's going to take time. It ain't going to happen, I don't think, this season next. It's going to be three, next three to five years. I think it'll be good. Hopefully, um, they can look at the Man City where they did it uh, instead of the QPR kind of way where they brought some players in who, on high wages, who didn't really care about the club. I think when I spoke to Bobby Zamora out here, who was doing uh, some coaching, and he was just saying, he goes, some of the players that we had, just the Eagles, didn't care. It was interesting to see his side of it compared to the Man City when they just built a core. And I say for Newcastle at the moment, it's probably the best way for them to do is do that. Look at the Vincent companies, the Silva, the Agueros, the Joe Hart. Go down the core and then build from that. So I think that kind of way forward would be the one. I worry now with the amount of agents that will be involved with uh, Amanda's husband, who I guess I've heard who he's obviously dealing with at the moment. They just hope people are just coming for the payday. I don't think they are. I don't think they no. are coming for the payday. And I think Stephen Taylor was absolutely bang on, Sam. Get the course sorted yeah. and you can work your way around. And look what Newcastle have done. Nick Pope, Sven Botman, Bruno Gimmerich, Alexander Isaac slash Callum Wilson. There's your call. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was going to say. So moving on. No, but no, it's right. <laughs> that, 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 is, that is what we've done. And it, it's, it's a quality core as well. Botman could be the company. I mean, David Silver is, you know, Bruno could be David Silver. Uh, and Isak, oh, yes, please. I can't believe we've got him. Amazing, amazing. Talk, about, talk about that moment, Sam, when you heard about Alexander Riza. Who told you? Yeah, didn't you put it in the WhatsApp group? No, no, I messaged you privately. <laughs> Did you? Oh, yeah, and I, I told. You. Uh, oh, that was it because I told you to f off. Yes, you, 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 you said oh, it doesn't matter. We can, we can swear on YouTube. Fuck off! No way. That was what you said because you were out with your family. You were having a bit of a family day because it was a day of the Tramia game, and you thought, and literally, I was like, I've seen it on. Basically, there's certain journalists you trust. And as soon as the athletic puts something on, and Chris Watt in particular, Sam, you must know. Yeah, yeah, that is a big one for me because um, I mean, NFTV that uh, you lads know. There's a few players that I I go on about, um, but yeah, Isak. That Isak was my number one from 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 day one. Um, I never thought we'd get him. Ridiculous, and it had been kind of quiet rumbles throughout the summer really which i which is good in a way because it doesn't really like bring it to the focus and it makes the main point but 
I'd heard a couple of rumblings and then I was um, texting a previous guest of the show who is a journalist and he'd heard some whispers that we've still had a bit of an interest in him and this was a few weeks before the signing was announced. Um, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, club record fee, obviously, because it has to be to get him. And then seeing his seeing his proper debut at Anfield and scoring that goal and scoring the other goal as well, which... Um, wasn't allowed. It was onside. Uh, I'm not having it. It was offside. It was onside. Yeah, it didn't look great, did it? Some um, dodgy calls here and there lately, isn't there? But yeah, he looked one hell of a player. Should have buried that chance against Palace. But strikers, strikers do miss a few, score a few. So as long as you're scoring, that doesn't matter. But yeah, he's he's what 22, 23, 22, 23, 22, like 22. So, yeah, they're all young. Same with Botman. Bruno's still, what, 24, 25, mm. something like that. Incredible. And then Nick Pope's 30, but, you know, for a goalkeeper, that's no age. That's so, yeah, a good... yeah, exactly. So, um, he should be in his prime, more or less. And the way he started, he's certainly playing that way. So, yeah, he was great. He was great. And, um, yeah, uh, we're still a couple of transfer windows away, aren't we? But um, we're definitely heading in the right direction, and and you know we've got it, we're invested in all sides of the club, and the, this young Australian kid that we're on about signing in January and loaning back out as part of his development, and um, yeah, it, it, it's um, it's nice to see us being run like a football club, and you know as, as Stephen Taylor said there, I don't think we're going down the QPR route, are we? And signing Jose Basingua and Chris Samba and all kinds of mercenaries like that. No, definitely not. I think I think that's the one thing you can you can tell straight away they've got a plan. And I think even even ten years ago, Sam, I feel like you, I feel like the football clubs and football players are a lot more professional now. And I think that they need to be in a condition. They need to be learning how to become a better player along the way. And I think with everything that's going well with Newcastle right now, Dan Ashworth doing a lot behind the scenes with Steve Nixon. It just seems like they've got a plan in place and they're both on the same page. And Eddie Howe's more than happy to trust these two in particular with an impact where he can go, I'd like this sort of player. This is the sort of player I would like, but let's have a list of other players and see what the, the price is going to be. And they're not going to get mugged off of the transfer window. They're not going to overpay too much. No. I think Alexander, he's like, they have probably have overpaid. But because of I no, I don't think they have at all. Overpaying, I, I think, I, I, no, overpaying. No, I, they would have just bought out the release clause. No, no, I think, I think, I think the reason, I think, I think the reason why they've overpaid now, because fifty-eight million pounds, with the on, on terms of his actual stats, in terms of thirty-three goals in one hundred and five games, I don't think that's fifty-eight million pounds worthy. So, I, in my in my opinion, but because of his age and how long you can necessarily have him. So you do have him for 10 years and he does ex- exceptionally well. That's just in the £6 million a season for him. And then that'll look as obviously a better transfer. But right now, when you look at the actual price, they probably have overpaid. I think there were some journalists saying they're probably about overpaid by about £10, £15 million. But because no. of his age, they, no. they probably have looked at the long term for it. And I, I don't blame them in doing that. I think, I think they had to overpay if he was their number one target. And, well, I would say he's probably their number two target behind Ekatike. Yeah, um, I would, if given the choice, I, I would have picked Isak every day and twice on Sundays, to be honest. I don't think we have overpaid at all. Um, 
I mean, when you look at what Manchester United paid for that Anthony, that's overpaying. That's, that's overpaying. Um, so, and that's nearly double what we paid for Isak. So, no, I don't, I don't, I don't buy into that. And quality strikers are in such such short supply these days that um, now i have given everything and I mean look City paying 100 million for Jack Grealish and this time I don't think 50 odd millions that bad for Alexander Isak at all it'd be interesting to see how he gets on obviously with the Bournemouth game just happening we don't know if he scored yet <laughs> depending if you're listening on the podcast or not hopefully he has hopefully he doesn't get into an international break for Sweden but uh no, it should be really, really interesting to see how we get them between now and the World Cup. I think that's a kind of a good little half break, if you like, and then five mm. or six weeks. I don't think Sweden on in the World Cup, are they? So he's got a good, he's got a good break behind them as well, going into those uh, Christmas fixtures, which are obviously thick and fast. Um, who are we going to talk about next? I think we should talk about a man who's been given the freedom of the city of Newcastle, of Newcastle, and he can get cattle in Newcastle if he really wants to. Whether he'll do that, very, very unlikely. Hope he does. Shaka, but Shaka Hislop, who has done so much for show the races in the red card, I think you'd have to say, Sam, you'll go down in folklore a little bit because when you look at where racism, where it was in the 90s when you were just a teenager. Um, and, and I wasn't a teenager in the 90s. I wasn't a teenager until <laughs> 2002. Just shut up. No, but in all seriousness, the amount of work that he's done, and look, we still get the odd moments where we've got that stupid idiot that will say something stupid more online than actual at the ground now. But in terms of where we are as a, as a society, Shaq Hislop has played a massive, massive part in that. And he talks Huge. about that honour of receiving the freedom in Newcastle and how proud he was. And it was it was really, really nice to listen to, Sam. Let's, let's let everybody else listen to it as well. Man, the, the, the current mayor of, of Newcastle, the, the first mayor of colour in Newcastle's 800-year history, had told me that, that he wanted the, the honour, um, that he was going to be proposing it to the council um, and that he, he would be pushing for it um, himself. And then, I, I, as it turned out, I'm, I'm back home with, with my mother and father while I'm, I'm watching the vote uh, happen live. And, and um, it, it, was, it was fantastic to, to, to be able to, to share that with them in, um, in, 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 in so many ways. You know? So you, you're thankful for, for, some of those, for some of those small mercies. Um, and, and you're right. It, it's, it's an honor that um, I, I couldn't imagine. Um, it's also one that uh, that um, I never thought that I'd be in line to receive. But given everything that we discussed over the last two years, in particular, given everything that Shuri Sandirat card has has grown to be, I am I am honoured. Um, I am honoured to be to be receiving it. Um, even though, as I say, while while I do, I, I recognize I have to recognize and pay tribute to 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 so many people who've who who've been along and and have been the win winning in 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 those days. Uh, I mean, it it it's so richly deserved, Shaka. And you know, I can't Thank congratulate you, you enough. But 
Have you asked the mayor, like, what do you get with the freedom of the city? Is it a big key? I mean, like, are you allowed to, are you, are you allowed to break the law? I was told that I can allow my cattle to graze on any city lands. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have to go out and get some cattle. So if you see some, some cattle grazing in the middle of St. James's Park, just know that they're mine. I'm bringing my cattle to grief. <laughs> oh, I love that. I mean, there's a weird law in the UK that pregnant ladies are allowed to wee in policemen's hats, and now Shaka can let his cattle graze wherever they wish to roam. Bruno Gimmerich on one side of the midfield, Joe Linton on the other side of the midfield, and Shaka Hislop's cattle. A lovely jersey. <laughs> Right for know. milking. <laughs> he was absolutely brilliant, uh, Shaka, and it was a great battle between him and Pavel Simic, the late Pavel Simic, like I should add, in the uh, mid-90s when Newcastle were going for the title. Newcastle were going for the title. Could you believe it now? You never know. You never know. One day. Uh, but it, it was brilliant to get Shaka's thoughts on everything on uh, Newcastle right now. He's done some obviously fantastic work, Sam, in America for, uh, I forget which, ESPN, of course. And yeah. He's got some. He's got some. Got some good stories as well. But uh, one of one. Of, I, I actually think it's one of the best ones we've done this year. I think um, Shaka obviously very experienced on the TV. He knows how to answer questions. So it was. It was. An, it was a nice, easy one to do in terms of an interviewer, interviewee. It was one. It was one a rare one because I don't like listening or watching to our, uh, our things back. Um, just because I don't, but um, yeah, it was one that I actually did because mainly because Shaka Shaka has a lovely, sexy voice. But um, yeah, I did. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And you don't get these awards for nothing. You don't get awarded the freedom of the city for nothing. So you know what he's done is absolutely incredible. It's fantastic. You can't praise him enough. And it's just an all-round absolute fantastic gentleman. He really is. And it was great to see him. Uh, after he got the the Freedom of the City award, that um, the club obviously invited him along to a to a game in the in the director's box and whatnot, and it was great to see him back at St James's Park. And there's there's been a few ex pros like that now that have been welcomed back with open arms, uh, which was uh, long overdue. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think another man who deserves the freedom of probably St James's Park is a man who spent thirty eight years at Newcastle United. And that was- Derek, oh, great length. Oh, that was that was liquid podcasting. Oh, I'll tell you what, Sam. Honestly, we should we should do this. We should do this for a living. Honestly, if there's anybody out there that wants to give me and Sam X amount of money, yeah, to do this, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> we'll sponsor anything. <laughs> Big thanks to Castle Sam Lorenzo. Um, anyway, and of UK for this fantastic polo shirt based on the Entertainer's Awake of the 90s. I mean, get yours today and other designs at uh, Club Golf UK. Yes, exactly. But Derek Rice, if we're talking about people that have seen everything at Newcastle United, he has seen everything at yep. Newcastle United. A couple of different ownerships, 30 managers probably roughly, maybe, maybe, a, bit, maybe a bit over the top, maybe 25 managers. X amount of players, uh, unbelievable moments, couple of relegations, couple of promotions. He's in the world record transfer coming to St James's Park in the nineties, and then he's seen. He Say do do He's seen Saint but he's seen it. He's seen Newcastle United on a high towards the end, and 
it must have been a very, very difficult decision. Well, it was a very, very difficult decision. And we'll get Derek's views on that decision that he had to make about when the right time to leave Newcastle United was. But the reception he got that first game of the season against Nottingham Forest was well and truly deserved, Sam. Uh, for someone who's given his pretty much his professional life to the football club, what a... There's no way... I think Alan... I'm trying to remember what Alan Shearer said. Now, forgive me, because I do forget what he said about Derek. But he, he was the best in his field when you listen to other pros about what they've been saying about Derek, haven't they, Sam? Uh, he 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 also yeah like you say deserves the freedom of the city what a, what a absolute what a stint I mean what incredible incredible he is Mister Newcastle United and he can go back there like he did at Forest when we were there for the opening game of the season and get the ovation he deserved and he should never have to pay for a ticket a drink or anything in uh, in Newcastle ever again. But uh, it must have been an incredibly difficult decision to 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 draw up stumps and say that now is the time. So here is a clip of him explaining his reasons why this was the time. I had intended to maybe go to, to try and do 40 years here um, and then retire at 66. That was in my mind. But it, it's it's a bit strange really because once, once the seed was in my mind, I, I kept thinking about maybe I should start and think about retirement. Um, and then it was obviously the takeover and, you know, the the buzz and, you know, and then I thought, well, I could go on forever here, really. <laughs> but you can't, you can't go on forever. And I had a discussion with the club um, last season about maybe changing roles, different, you know, doing different sort of aspects of the job, not travelling so much, different, you know, there was all sorts of things, um, permutations, really. And I think, one, but once I'd sort of been thinking about it, it was like I couldn't get it out of my mind and I was thinking this. So we, we had a discussion and we came to the conclusion that probably um, a break or a clean break. And I'd rather have a clean break, I think, than I didn't want to be because we were talking about maybe getting someone else in to have a transition from me to them. But I didn't want to be the old physio in the corner of the room, which was just like outstanding his welcome, really. Um, and we we came to a discussion and we just thought it was best to sort of do it now, really. And that was it. I think once the decision had been made and um, I'd sort of got it in my mind that that's, what was going to happen and the club were, you know, sort of on board with everything and sort of did a suggestion that we, we still had some connection, even, you know, I would retire and, and that was it really. It, it just sort of went on from then and it, it, it happened. And um, I think partly as well, because you, you think, right, the, the future, the future, really is going to change now and the you know we'll hopefully get a new training ground new facility this that and the other and i think it's it's probably just right at the right time for it needs a younger person coming in with um maybe a fresh outlook and and to do it that way you know i'll be i'll be around the on the fringes and in the background and, and you know somewhere but it'll probably 
you know, just being there sort of if, if needed or, or doing a little bit, you know, maybe at the academy or, or even women's team or something like that. It's just a, it's just a loose sort of idea at the minute, but we're, you know, that was, that's in a nutshell. Yeah, it, 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 you can tell even in his voice, you can you can kind of gather some the, the actual. I think the actual heaviness of the decision that he, he made. I, still, I don't think he's kind of. Well, it it was it was still through, it? no, it was still raw when we spoke to him because like it was one of the first interviews he did uh, after he announced his retirement. So um, I think it was the second interview he'd done. Um, and it was like within a week or two of of that news coming out. So he hadn't been and had that reception at St James's Park at the opening game of the season yet. It was still he was still getting used to retirement after having a single place of work for the past thirty eight years, which is you know longer than we've both been alive. It's incredible, absolutely incredible. And he's he's the loveliest man you'll ever meet. He's made an impact on so many people's lives, so many players' lives, staff members' lives, and um, he deserves every positive thing he gets um, in his retirement because he is an absolute bona fide legend. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and a big shoes to fill for the medical department that are at Newcastle United now. But I'm sure they'll do their best, and hopefully. If I'm sure Derek's on the other end of the phone, if they need to speak to him about anything, I'm sure, and I'm sure he'd be more than happy to help. Um, do you want to hear a story about Schaefer Bates talking about how he has a bit of yes, a question Hendrick? Yes, let's, please. Let's hear the story. I'm going to start learning, Eddie, how, because I think there's something in there. Um, do you? There is something in there. I'm, um, and I'm, I'm good friends with Jeff Hendricks, and he's, he's been, I, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this, but it doesn't matter. Uh, he won't mind. I used to send him voice notes of uh, when he'd just be going in the changing room to have a team talk of me doing Steve Bruce. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, and he, yeah, no, I used to, and he just, he used to just be like, he'd message me back, just shut up, shut up. He'd be in the, he wouldn't play it out loud, but I'd be like, well, you know, Jeff, we're going to play you at, um, we're going to play you at centre back today. We're going to try you in New York. <laughs> and uh, he just be like, you could t- I don't know. I don't know if he was laughing or not, but he just be, he'd definitely be like, shut up, you know. Um, but he, he said to me the other day, you should have a go at Eddie Howe. And I went, oh, yeah. And I never thought of it. But there's so infectious about Eddie Howe that I, I'd, I'd like to have a pop at. I definitely, I, I think there's something there. There's definitely something there. Um Maybe I'll, I'll play on the fact that he tells all the players not to sit down on the balls. That was like the big thing when he came in the club, wasn't it? Eddie Howe tells the players not to sit down on the balls. They always got to be stood up. Never sit on your balls, Sam. No. Well, I mean, I've only done that a handful of times, fortunately. It's, it's agonising. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love Schaefer Bates. I absolutely love him. He's such a talented guy. Um, still message him every now and again. But like it's it's like his like Gordon Ramsay just stays with me forever, and I find myself um, uh, no, I wasn't going to say it there, but okay. So I find myself when I'm cooking dinner for the for uh, the family, um, I find myself um, doing impressions of him doing Gordon Ramsay in in my kitchen. Hold on, hold on a second. Let's go back a second. You cook for the whole family? Yeah. When I'm not, when it, like when it's my turn to, like if I'm not at work, like yesterday, for example, when it was my day off and 
the wife was at work and then uh, I got her back on the school run. I'll cook the dinner, absolutely. I used to do all the cooking before um, the kids arrived. Don't forget Mrs. Mulner to talk about. Yeah, no, I'm often in the kitchen going season eight. Fuck me, and and doing yeah. like and doing doing Schaefer doing Gordon Ramsay. I know I'm nowhere near as talented as, as Schaefer Bates, but yeah, his stuff on on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube is just brilliant. His impressions are second to none. They're incredible. Yeah, they're really really good. And um, a man that I would argue, Sam probably the most famous name we've ever had on the Green and Moment show is a man that I'd like to talk about next, and that is Mr. Robson Green. Of yeah. course. Yeah, fantastic actor, singer. Yeah, he's, been, he's obviously done documentaries now, fishing programmes, everything. He's, 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 he's everywhere on, on, on television. And I think if you say Robson Green, and especially in the Northeast, you're like, yeah, I know who he is. Seen him on this, that he's done this, done this, done this. Uh, I thought that was a real coup for us on the, at the time, and I, I was quite surprised he agreed to it because I think he doesn't do so many. many does he? No, he doesn't. But maybe because of how niche we are, he probably didn't mind. But it was really, really fascinating, and his 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 admiration for a particular Mister Shearer. It's something that he talks about in this clip, and he does wax lyrical over the greatest Newcastle striker of all time. My favourite player that encompasses everything that is good and noble and right about football is Alan Shearer. That man ran his soul into the ground, man, for that team. Uh, what a player, and, and privileged enough to watch a type of player we may never see the likes of again. Uh, astonishing. Love him. I mean, I wasn't there when he broke the record. I was filming a show. I was doing a thing called Wire in the Blood. And I was on top of a the post office building, a telecom building in Newcastle. I was talking in the scene. I was talking to a guy to prevent him jumping off the building. <laughs> and I'm going through this speech. And all of a sudden, midway on a take, there's just this wave of noise, of euphoria, of joy, of wonder and excitement. It's just in the air and it just held there. It was like a, an aircraft going over and just staying there in that one place. And I just, uh, it stopped the take because the sound man goes, what's going on? What's going on? You hear that? <laughs> I went, I went, here has broke the record. He's broke the record. Cause you know what it sounds like when there's a goal in Newcastle. But yeah. there was only that there was one particular type of roar that I've never heard since, and it was when Shearer broke the record, and I went, "He's done it." And the sound guy went, "How do you know? How do you know he's done it?" I went, "You just know, you just know." And that's Newcastle. You knew he'd done it, even if you weren't there. You knew what was going on in that pitch, and so that subliminal connection to the ground and the team and everything. Is everything you guys talk about all the time? Is the, is the passion, is the love for that club, and and my love for that player, who I thought and and still is a, a credit to not only the club but the area and everything that is good about the area and football. You just know Salmola. You just when you know, you know. Yeah, he's great fun, wasn't he? Like you sometimes hear like um, things about some people and and like have preconceptions and whatnot, but like. 
he was great. He was absolutely yeah. great. He was so much fun um, to to spend an hour, hour and a half with, and um, still goes to every home game. Not in hospitality. No, he was telling got... us the story. He was telling yeah. us the story, Sam. Can you remember where he got offered tickets to the Liverpool game in hospitality? He turned them down. He said, "I'd rather be in the Gallagher." Oh, yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd rather have his own. So he's got a season ticket, and him and his wife have got. But a wasn't season hospitality ticket. great, Sam? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, we've we've not. Have we been, no, we've not been in hospitality, have we? Murdad, oh, if you're watching. Well, yeah, we have, but um, that that I wouldn't say that was hospitality. We weren't getting wined and dined. We were there to work, weren't we? But um, yeah, Rob Robson Green was great. But yeah, when when we had access to the to the women's game, I assume you're referencing the first time they played at St James's Park, which was one of my favourite days ever coming up coming up to Newcastle, despite a wardrobe malfunction en route. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great day, wasn't it? It was a fantastic day. It really, really was. And we'll, we'll tell you the story. So, because obviously this is this is the time we can tell the, the story. We were we were invited by the club to come and watch the women play in the in the padded seats, if you like. But Sam and Lee decided to go and ask for seats in the in the media media box in the media suite and. It was it was a good it was a good idea we did that actually because we got so much more we got to speak to uh, well Sam and Sam and Lee rather got to speak to Becky Langley Katie Barker was uh, another one Georgia Gibson was as well no Brooke wrong, the outgoing Brooke Coffin, the out, of course yeah the outgoing skipper who uh, I saw in the terrace bar the day of the Forest game yeah I asked, I, I saw necking well, a Corona. Yeah, so it's like I says, oh, you're not missing the fact it's the first game. Who did we play? We played Man City, and it was the it was on a Sunday, and it was the first game of the women's season. He says, oh, you're not missing the fact that it's the first game out. No, 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 not really. I'm kind of glad. I've got a bit of a hangover today. I was like, standard, standard. She's great. Yeah, yeah, she was brilliant. She was brilliant when she was on again. All the all the episodes like Sam mentioned are in the playlist on YouTube, or if you're listening on the podcast, is. Like I say, depending on what podcast outlet, there will be a massive list. A massive, They're uh, all on there. And for this sense. for this day, you do get. It wasn't just. It was a bit different. We did it for the, for this day, wasn't it? It was like the our, uh, the whole journey across the day and all the behind the scenes stuff, and um, including. I forgot all the, the tickets, didn't I? I you did. You, you forgot the tickets. There was a hole in my trousers. Um, like none of this was made up, but it was like a hectic, a really hectic, stressful morning. <laughs> Yeah, it was, um, it, was, it, it was really surreal. So I, I, was, I got the bus to Newcastle because you were driving up and I literally got up at Haymark and I always do the same thing when I get when I get off the bus. Phone, wallet, like keys, whatever, you know, charger. And I was like, and I was looking through your wallet, I was like, where's the tickets? Where's the fuck the tickets? I was like, shit, I've left them at home. So I rang you and panicked. Maybe, like, maybe, maybe do that before you get on the bus instead of when you get off it. Well, it was because the bus was outside. I was just like, <laughs> but um, but yeah. One thing I forgot. I was. I just remember ringing you in panic, going, "Where are you?" Oh, I'm just going outside St James's. And then, I well, like, I don't sound like that. <laughs> I was like, "Get in your car." Because <laughs> I need to go home and have the tickets. He's like, "For fuck's sake!" But we had a bit of time to be fair. We did have about an hour and a half because we were going to meet for a, a smooth. I think it was. A, it was a smoothie and uh, some fruit, wasn't it? It was it was a really really healthy breakfast. I think we were meeting for was it maybe some um, granola. Overnight. I think it, was, it was uh, it was it was overnight oats. Yes, I, I thought it was. 
definitely no bacon sandwich or pints, but it was definitely something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we, we went back, picked the tickets up, and we were having something to eat. And you notice you had a bit of a hole in an area that you don't really want a hole in. No. No. Yeah, that was bad. Um, so we had to go shopping. We, we went clothes shopping to H&M, didn't we? In the server link. In the server link, we went shopping. Yeah, because we're really cool. So that was the first thing on a Sunday morning, razzing around trying to get some posh-ish, like smart cash trousers, which uh, I actually have on now as it, as it, as it happens. Um, and then, of course, like we drive back to St. James's. I had to get changed into said trousers. Um, so that involved me going um, in the back of my own car. Um, Johnny stayed outside the car to, to keep a lookout, so I didn't uh, expose anything. Um, got changed, and then I realised uh, I'd left the child locks on in my car, so I couldn't get out of the car. Um, so Sam, so Sam really enjoyed hospitality that day in the comfort of his own car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no uh fortunately everything worked out fine and um yeah after the game after after the win um and a fantastic atmosphere from an amazing crowd that day twenty two thousand people uh, i got the chance to interview the manager becky langley pitch side there i guess my first thought is protecting the players that i've currently worked all season with that i've given absolutely everything to play for this club um of course we'll want to strengthen and the owners will back us to do that and you know make sure that we have the strongest possible team going into next season so that promotion is an absolute definite um, we'll obviously review kind of what what's going wrong this season because ultimately we've not achieved our aim um, and there won't be anybody more disappointed than me than that um, but I think you know we're going to really strive for next season and I want the best players here um, and we've got some fantastic girls in the dressing room who we want on the journey as well Carly Telford was watching on today on Twitter. I know, I know, she's gone to America. But just finally, Eddie Howe is in attendance today. Have, uh, is there maybe a meeting penciled in with the, the manager of the men's team to share some ideas? Yeah, I'd love to meet with Eddie and share some football ideas. Um, I know Amanda came down to me and she was like, "We need you and Eddie to have a coffee and a chat and just, you know, share ideas because we're both kind of young, forward-thinking coaches." And I'm sure I can learn so much from him. He's done a fantastic job with the men's team. So credit to Eddie and his staff. Um, I'm sure my, me and my staff can learn a lot from him. Do you know what it is? Um, we've got two very good managers at Newcastle United, and it's just a pleasure to see them both doing well with with their each te- with their own team. And it's obviously joined together now, which is fantastic news as well. But it's it's just nice. You can see Becky's got a plan. You can see Eddie Howe's got a plan, and you can just see that we're they're definitely on the right track, both of them. Yeah, she was a bit gutted after the game though, because like they didn't get promotion, and like she just had this amazing day. But you could still tell there was a bit of tinge of disappointment there, which is the sign of a winner, isn't it? So, um, but yeah, it was an incredible day, really was. And then, um, yeah, it was just it was just such such a happy day, even though it was like the day after we'd lost to Liverpool, uh, St James's. But um, yeah, it was it was it was absolutely an incredible day, one of my favourite days ever, as I said, and. Um, yeah, hope for more. And they're, they're playing at Kingston Park now regularly. They're there again this Sunday. They've been there twice before. So hopefully they can keep this momentum going and keep getting these mammoth attendances and uh, get uh, get promotion this season. Yeah, if, uh, again, the, the, I think along as Newcastle Falcons aren't playing on that day, I think the women's team will be playing there a lot more regularly, which is fantastic news as well. It's, a, it's more of an upgrade than 
you know, Carlton was. Let's let's be honest. It, it's um, it's like more professional now, more professional. And the thing with it being an artificial surface as well, the games aren't going to get called off unless something really drastic happens. So it's great. It's great. And again, they've started pretty well this season. Three three out of uh, four games they've won so far. Only one defeat so far against Hull. Four three, but they're. On the, certainly on the right track, there's still plenty of time left in the season. I think only Barnsley have got a hundred percent win record so far in the league. So again, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how they get on. The girls play Chorley this Sunday, but if you're listening on the podcast, they've only just played Chorley, which they won. They won Samuel. And they did really well. Both Newcastle men down in the team won last weekend, didn't they? Yeah, fantastic weekend. Hope for some more. <laughs> uh, a man who might play a part, might not play a part. But I tell you what, it was a surreal day. And we'll get the clip out of the way first, and then we'll talk about how me and Sam met Newcastle United's number 10, Mr. Alan St. Martin. Here he is talking about that display against Crystal Palace. This game was something special because I've been in, in a lot of games, and to be honest, this never happened before. You know, Always the fan really liked the way I play because you know I'm a skillful player and all of this, but they never give me that love. And the flag was something really emotional for me because I didn't expect that. And when you didn't expect some things and you see that, you can only feel so, so happy and you even want to give more. So when I see this flag, I really start to think I need to, to do more for my club, like inside the football and even outside. So you can see today and I will keep try to do my best for this city. Alan St. Maximin. What a guy. Alan St. Maximin. What a guy. What a, what a guy. And I know there's probably other, you've seen other videos and other channels about his generosity in terms of what he's been doing for the people of Newcastle, Sam. But it wasn't an act, was it? It was, it was real. It was genuine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, again, like you obviously have a, a bit of a preconception about what someone's going to be like before you meet them. And, um, yeah, I wasn't expecting to meet such a humble, down-to-earth, um, again, gentleman who's just so incredibly generous with his time and his and his money. Like, sat at this table with a big stack of tenors. And he's just handing it out to kids who could do, like, 10 kick-ups or, or something like that. Just that's his, that's his way of giving back to the community and, and thanking the community for the, the love the fans give him in return. Um He's been amazing for us since he's come, and it's um, it, it's like how he describes it: my uh, my team, my city, my club. This is this is this is his home, and uh, I think this is where he wants to stay for a good number of years yet. So it was amazing to to meet him and and um, get to to learn about what what he does away from away from the pitch and and Helios, which is quite. <laughs> Great game. We had we had such a fun morning playing it, didn't we? It was really really fun. I, I really got into it despite never winning a game. No, no. I, I managed to win one game, I, but it was uh, it was fantastic. Really really good. And the, the team at Helios, a big shout out to them. They were absolutely fantastic on the day. They oh, really some great fun. people we met from his team. Alan, like Alan's really lucky to to have some of the people with him for that. There's so so many good people with him, and we met so many of them on that day at the Metro Centre. It was absolutely fantastic. It really, really was. And hopefully continue that relationship with Helios as well. 
last few minutes, Samuel, we'll talk about Newcastle United. Why not? On, in terms of a podcast point of view, we're in the international break now, and some will say it's coming a good time, some will say it's coming a bad time for Newcastle. Um, I kind of look at it as probably it's a good time, and the reason why I say that, I think if Eddie Howe can have the nucleus of that squad on the training pitch for another couple of weeks, considering it's going to almost be two games a week for most of the next six weeks. I think it's bar maybe one week that Newcastle don't have two games a week, or maybe two, I'll tell a lie. It's going to be hectic, and I think he needs that time on the training pitch. I know a lot of people don't like the international break, and I fully understand that, but I think it might have come at a good time for Newcastle. Yeah, it's stretching the squad a bit lately, isn't it? We need a few people um, back from injury, and like the midfield, when we'd had like, was it three or four games back to back to back to back? The midfield was starting to look really tired and they'd put in mammoth shifts because there was just no one to rotate, no one to bring off the bench of of any discernible uh, qualities. And yeah, we, we didn't, we were not ropey because the team still had their identity and they still put in some great performances. But like that Palace game, for example, there was no one to bring off the bench to, to get a winner, was there? Um, Liverpool, there was no one to, to bring on the bench to, to seal... Um, win or a point or whatever but uh, yeah it'll be great to get some of the players back I think it's important obviously we don't know if we've beat Bournemouth yet but we hope we have because it's important to get a good result before the international break and keep that momentum going because if we don't get a win against Bournemouth then you look at the table and you think well maybe we haven't had the best of starts like we think we have but it, it has been roundly positive the performances against City and and Liverpool, despite only picking up one point from them, too, are incredibly encouraging. It's such a a fantastic uh, team we get to watch now, and the the football that they play. It's it's a proper Newcastle United team again. Um, so yeah, it'd be great to get um, some some of the the big big players back. Your your Brunos, your Callum Wilsons, and uh, even John Joe Shelby. He's been a miss, hasn't he? Anchoring that midfield. Um, yeah, great to see uh, some of them guys back. And of course, Mr. St. Maximin. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, the question I did want to ask you, and I kind of teased it a little bit um, towards the beginning in terms of Newcastle United, is the squad, because the 25 man squad has been released. And technically, it's a 26 man squad because Elliot Anderson is still young enough to be like a youth player. So it, that that's a big advantage in Newcastle. So the only player really that isn't in that squad is Mark Gillespie. I know Emil Kraft wasn't included, but he's probably going to be out for, uh, to be honest, probably the he's rest out of for the a season. while. Yeah, he's out, he's for, out a long, for a long while. Time with the ACL. So it's, it's, that doesn't look good for Emil Kraft. But I think the one thing that we spoke about in the summer, Sam, we've got a massive squad. We've got a big squad. We want to, we want to get more players in, but we need to get rid of players. And to only not have Mark Gillespie in the squad, that's a real big achievement in terms of what they've actually done behind the scenes to get the players that needed to go and to bring some players in and the only player that isn't going to be in the squad is a fourth choice goalkeeper yeah I feel a bit sorry for Mark Gillespie I, like, I, I didn't like if I don't see the point of signing Carrier till January I mean look we all know Pope's number one like does it really hurt if Mark Gillespie sat on the bench I, I don't think so but yeah it's getting there, isn't it? It's getting there. Um, I, th- I said before, we're still a couple of uh, transfer windows away because of the the lack of, of depth in our squad. Um, uh, yeah, uh, we're a, a couple of a couple of transfer windows away, so 
Um, the future is exciting. When we see a fully fit Newcastle United team, it's going to be amazing what the permutations are in there, in that starting eleven. Because when everyone's fully fit, Eddie Howe does have a bit of decisions to make because the strength in depth is getting there, but it's not quite there yet. There's a couple of, if everyone's fit, we've got a couple of options off the bench, haven't we? But when there's been a couple of injuries like there are at the moment, there's there's nothing. So yeah, it, it's um, we're heading in the right direction. It's great to see. It's the football we're playing is is fantastic, and we've been competitive in every game we've played this season. So even even like games we've we've kind of should struggle with, and um, like it, it, the Liverpool game broke all our hearts, didn't it? But we'd have never been that close to getting anything from Anfield apart from the draw behind closed doors but you kind of forget about that don't you but um, yeah it, it, it's great to see and, and look we are going to be patient with it we're not the finished product but as long as we see progression on and off the pitch which we are seeing constantly then uh, everyone's going to be happy 100% 100% six games in October for Newcastle Sam how many points are we picking up you've got Fulham away that's not going to be easy. Like I know in in previous years, like we've played them towards the end of the season, they're already down and out and have looked terrible. But they they've come back up with some fire. They're packing a punch this season, aren't they? They've they've um, had some good results already. So I'd, I'd we'd, it's a game on paper you'd like to think we can go and nick three points from, but I don't know. Would you take a point from that? I think that's one game you've got to look at three points up, but I do get you. I do get what you say. I think if you keep Mitrovic quiet, I think you keep Fulham quiet at the minute. So it's about keeping him quiet at all costs. But I'll run through the six because then you can tell me how many points you think Newcastle can make. So it's Fulham first up away from home, then it's Brentford at home the week after, Manchester United at Old Trafford on the 16th, and three days later at home to Everton at St James's, away to Spurs on the Sunday, which has been moved again, which is just lovely. And then Aston Villa at home on the 29th of October. There's some difficult games, especially towards the end of October. So, Yeah, I'm going to go for 11 points. Ooh. Win your home games. That's Win your home games. That's that's non-negotiable. Win your home games. The atmosphere at St. James's Park now, we should not be losing a game at home. We shouldn't. We proved that against Manchester City. We should not be losing a, a, a game at home. Um it should be a fortress once again, which is which is what it's turned into thanks to war flags and, and the atmosphere supporters have have built. So yeah, um home wins, nick the odd point away here and there. And um yeah, we should be comfortably in the top half, which is where we should be. Yeah, it'll be very, very interesting. I think like you say, Sam, Fulham Brentford Villa on paper. It's like Fulham Brentford Villa. Brentford Everton Villa on paper at home, you'd like to think Newcastle can get at least seven points from there and then again Newcastle I think could Newcastle could pick up a win away from home you look at your Fulham that's going to be a game half decent record at Spurs as well not too bad but hit and miss and Man United we've got a terrible record but depends which sort of Manchester United turn up I suppose and they've got Europa League to contend with as well so it's going to be fascinating to see what happens but I think also it's going to be fascinating to see what happens the Greenwood and Milner show that's what's going to be fascinating as well because we have got pretty much three confirmed guests on the horizon as well so please keep an eye out from all our, on all our socials in regards to upcoming guests if you want to become a member of newcastle fans TV, it's just 99 pence and you get all this information before anybody else as well and it'll be myself or sam that will get this information out to you as a thank you for your membership so 
please do consider that as well. But yeah, it's gonna it's been fantastic, fantastic doing the Green and Morning Show. And we'll again continue to do it. And if you if there's any guests that you want us to try and get, we'll, we'll try our best. We really, really will. We're trying to try to look outside the box a little bit. One name in particular, certainly outside the box, but very, very fascinating. I don't think any channel have had this guy on yet. So and there'll be, there's actually a good story about that, but we'll mention it maybe on the intro of the podcast. You have to give that a listen as well. But uh, Sam, anything to add before we, before we uh, leave? Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And uh, please do subscribe to the audio podcast. And if you're listening to it on iTunes, hit that five-star review button, please. Thank you very much. I don't think I could have said it better myself. So from myself, Jonathan Greenwood, my co-host, Sam Miller, we'll see you all very soon. Newcastle Fans TV. The Greenwood and Mulliner Show is proudly sponsored by Casa San Lorenzo Gosforth, the best Italian cuisine in the Northeast. Reserve a table today on 0191213 0399 or visit casasanlorenzo.co.uk.